0: Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy Podcast. This is episode number 17 on repairing and building relationships over the holidays. I get so many questions about how to deal with family relationships and close friends and strained relationships over the holidays. Today I'm going to give you some excellent tips, my best tips, eight tips on making the most of the holidays and repairing broken relationships that you might have, or at least steps to move in that direction. I'm Adam Gregg. I am a family therapist and life coach, mental health professional. Been doing this for over 20 years. I've worked with thousands of clients, thousands of families, honestly, and hundreds of companies on topics just like this. Love to talk about mental health in the workplace, anxiety, stress, depression, all that stuff, and relationships. We can't do it without healthy relationships. My life purpose is to help people find transformational clarity, the kind of clarity that propels them to move through their biggest fears. That's my hope for you and what you leave with today. And I do like to talk about things in a way that hopefully you could explain it to a six-year-old and they would understand this concept as well. That's what I try to keep in mind, very clear and simple. I also talk about things that I struggle with personally, and I'm sure you'll get that feeling as I discuss this topic. Very important one to me as well. I unfortunately have no family in my hometown except for my daughter, and this is a tough holiday season. I was planning on going to California to see my parents and the rest of my family, but just canceled my tickets because we are in the middle of a pandemic, and the regulations to go to California from my home state of Kansas just were not making that possible. So I'm gonna be doing most of my family interaction, in fact, all of my family interaction over Zoom. And I got a lot of things planned. I'm not going to I'm going to make the most of it. And I want you to make the most of your holiday season as well. And you may be thinking about some of these difficult, challenging relationships that you have as you get closer to seeing family. And I hope you do get to see family, but you may just get to interact with family as I do as well over Zoom or some over the phone. And I got a lot of things planned there, but what happens when we get closer to the holidays is we often get anxiety. And if you've listened to previous episodes, I've talked about this before, but when we're anxious, there's three ways that we're feeding that anxiety unknowingly. It's like a plant that we keep watering. It would die if we didn't water it. The first thing that we're doing unknowingly is we're keeping the problem fuzzy. It's ambiguous. It's... It's not clear. So if we're anxious about something, simply saying that I'm afraid of dogs or I'm afraid of that relative or I'm afraid of the conflict that could come about because I'm gonna see that relative that I don't always often see. That is actually defining and creating some clarity that just writing that down or admitting it to yourself is gonna decrease the anxiety. The second way we feed our anxiety and many of you are, as the holidays get closer, is you're thinking about the absolute worst outcome. Unknowingly often, but you're thinking about what could go wrong. You could say the wrong thing. They could say the wrong thing. They could upset you. You could upset them. Everyone's going to talk politics and religion and all these things I don't want to talk about. And I got a strong opinion about that as well because I don't think that's really what causes the conflict, by the way. But we are thinking about what can go wrong and we're not fighting that. So what we can do is think about the best outcome or the most likely outcome and start cultivating that mentally because what we think about and focus on the most we amplify. I've said that many times in past episodes and articles as well. And the third thing we're doing unknowingly often because we're reactionary, that's creating a lot of anxiety regarding these interactions with family is we're avoiding it. We're not doing anything about it. We're not creating a plan, which by the way, anxiety always goes down with a plan, a plan that we even didn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be a really good plan, but a plan that we're gonna try and execute. We can look at strategies like I'm gonna talk about today, but we do something to engage the problem versus running from it. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. And running from it could simply be not thinking about it, avoiding thinking about it. It could be not engaging it, engaging those people, not making a plan acting like it's not a big deal cuz avoiding can often be minimization just doing nothing to move it forward so today we're going we're not going to avoid the holidays in fact today we're going to start thinking about this plan that could change and transform our relationships and as i think about relationships in my life it's been one interaction with one person can change has changed my life For good and bad in some situations, one relationship, one connection can make a huge difference. So for about 10 years of my life, I was highly involved in youth mentoring and at-risk kids primarily, and that's something that I always thought about, which I thought made such a big difference, is one positive interaction. As many negative ones that they may have in their life, these kids, that one positive person that shines light into their life can change their future, and I believe that to this day huge deal. So why is this so important? So first of all, the stress that it causes, the anxiety that it causes, these unresolved issues with family can cause physical problems, mental problems, these situations that cause us anxiety when it could be something that's enjoyable and fun and focused. So we're going to talk a lot about offense, taking steps in the right direction to actually have a great time over the holidays. First thing as I go through these, and I'll kind of go through them kind of quickly, but first tip, lower your expectations. Lower your expectations. Your expectations might be so high for this event or for what you're cooking or for that relationship that you're creating anxiety, perfectionism, and it's not realistic. We don't do anything productive. Typically, we don't gauge things that we think we're going to fail at. And if we have this high standard, it's gonna lead us to avoid. It's gonna lead us to procrastinate. It's gonna lead us to not engage at all. So lower your expectations. I like to think of it as a seven on a scale of one to 10. So if I cook this new dish for Thanksgiving, what would be a seven? I mean, sure, you wanna do it perfectly. You wanna do it well, follow the recipe. Come on, don't put crap in there that you wouldn't, you know, that the recipe doesn't call for. But if your expectation is a 10, especially if it's the first or second time making it, You're probably going to be let down. I mean, maybe you're just an excellent cook, but that's just a very specific, concrete example. But think about relationships. If you're going to see your brother or you're going to see your parents or some friends and your expectation is that you laugh and have such a great time and there's no tension and there's no awkwardness. Well, that's not realistic. In fact, that may make you want to stay home. But if you lower it and say, hey, what's a seven? And even define that. What's good enough at this event? What's good enough? then that's going to help you to not be afraid and to see that, okay, that's a more likely outcome there. And then you'll be more likely to engage it as well. Second thing, way to enjoy the holidays and rebuild and rekindle and have great relationships is to do something new. Don't be a party pooper. I've been in situations where I've been the party pooper. Someone brings out a new game or someone has some activity or a new topic, of conversation. And then even unknowingly, we sort of go into the next room and it's actually a positive topic. You know, it's on our kids' sports or it's on something that's really uplifting. But we are afraid it may be really deep and subconscious at doing something new. It could be trying a new dish. You know, it could be making something new, maybe make sweet potato pie instead of pumpkin pie. I don't know. I mean, that's something that I can actually make. That's why I mentioned that because I can't make too many desserts, but a good sweet potato pie is actually something I have confidence in. And by the way, doing something new can be talking to somebody new or could be inviting somebody over that, I mean, some, maybe somebody that you is lonely over the holidays, you know, like me, I'm just kidding. But it could be inviting somebody over, just doing something different because you're willing to get outside the box. And those little risks that you take are the things that can create the most significant memories for you and for people. I know something new I'm gonna to try to do this holiday season is, is call family and Zoom family and collect family recipes. I was looking for a recipe for a great Christmas cookie that my mom's been making for years and years, and it's really stinking good. I mean, there's grated orange peel in it, and it's really great. In fact, tonight, when I finish this podcast, my daughter and I are making these, believe it or not. But I didn't know where the recipe was. My brother had it. It was sent to me. But I thought, well, how cool would it be to actually start collecting these un- you know, kind of without people knowing what I'm doing and eventually give uh, a cookbook, I guess, although I'm not guarantee, not promising that, but maybe start giving these to families so that they're not lost. I I don't know. It's kind of a cool thing. And so, and I even thought this holiday season, I might really try and get into video games with my daughter. And um, she's 13, almost 14. And I thought, you know, uh, maybe I'll even buy something. I haven't, spend some birthday money and maybe I'll even buy like a a switch or a Nintendo. I guess I could buy a new thing like a five or something, but who knows? Um, that's kind of my do something new attitude. The third thing that you can do to make the most of the holidays here is be, well, first of all, I, w- I was, I won't share that yet, but last week I was asked to talk to a group about making content for your website um writing things and by the way most of the stuff that I have ever done professionally content wise is writing and and I have um on my website decideyourlegacy.com I have about 65 articles many of which have a have thousands of views and a lot of traffic and everything like that a lot of traffic there a lot more comfort there and so they are asking me to not only do How do you develop content for your website? But how do you develop content for your podcast? Which this is number 17. I'm kind of new at this. How do you develop giveaways, things like that? And so I created a little presentation for this group and did a lunch and learn thing. Anyway, the thing that I had to share first, though, as I thought about creating content, was be generous. And I thought that that really probably should be first when it comes to having great relationships over the holidays as well, is be generous. And when I try and create a new piece of written content... I have tried to give away stuff that people would gladly pay me for. So one of the first things I ever created that's probably given away thousands and thousands of these is a list of 50 favorite relationship building questions, which would be great for you to actually sign up for my newsletter at www.decideyourlegacy.com and you'll get this list of 50 great relationship building questions and then six ways to use this list as well. And it'll be in the show notes as well here, but you can look at this and I, I gave this was, this came out of about, you know, 14, 13 years of being a family therapist. What are the great best questions to get people talking and engaging? And so you can spontaneously use a list like this to just start conversations with people. You don't have to like read off the actual list. You can just have them in mind. So as I've created content, thinking of generosity, it's like I can give away stuff and keep giving away stuff. And that's adding value into people's lives. And so for your family, it could be that you're you're serving, you know, you're helping out a lot more than you normally would on the holidays by making things, by preparing, by um, encouraging people, by helping people, by giving you know solicited, hopefully, advice in an area of knowledge that you may have in an interaction, I mean, who knows? You may be able to help somebody in their career because you have a spirit of generosity. And then as I think about being generous in my relationships and truly believe that if that's your primary objective first and foremost, it's gonna come back around professionally in revenue, but it's also gonna come back around relationally and increased happiness, satisfaction, joy, increased connection with those people that you love. It'll make a difference. It may feel like, oh, I'm just give give give, but you know, as it says and I don't know and what your spiritual beliefs are, but just think it's a said in the New Testament, consistently, we reap what we sow. I mean, if you sow a lot of seed sparingly and you give a lot away and you do a lot, and I'm not talking codependency here. Don't do things to the extent that people are taking advantage of you and you're trying to, you're enabling people because you're doing so much, but from from a good place in your heart, you're giving things away. You're giving yourself away. A great way to build and repair and grow relationships. Absolutely. So fourth thing you can do, is be, is ask for help. I mean, this is kind of crazy, but ask for help from people. That's a scary kind of thing to ask for help. But if you look and you know who you're going to interact with, well, I'm sure some of those people could give you some great advice, some great ideas. You know, today I asked for some help on buying a video game system, believe it or not, from a friend who knows a lot about that. And because I was thinking about it, in fact. But if we ask for help, We are putting ourselves out there, and someone else is going to feel needed. And when people feel needed, they're going to to be more apt to be open. They could reject you, sure, but they're going to be more apt to contribute into your life. I've done a lot of icebreaker activities with groups, teams, and in fact, in this podcast, I'm going to link to 11 icebreakers for workplace teams, and these work great over Zoom. These work great with your family over the holidays as well. And one of my favorite icebreakers is where everybody... In the group, at least everyone who wants to participate, thinks of something that they can teach, a skill that they have that they can teach other people in that room about. So it's a skill that many people in the room don't actually have, although they could. And so I've done this with groups and there have been pilots and they get to stand up in front of the group and actually teach people how to do how to land a plane, even though they're never actually going to land a plane. I mean, but they're just talking through some of that information or teach somebody how to cook a great spaghetti sauce because their mom's Italian like mine and they know how to cook a great spaghetti sauce. I don't care what it is, a meat sauce, by the way, exactly, which I can make a very good one. And anyway, you you can find ways, people, when they feel helpful, they start to open up. So think of ways you can help other people by being generous, then ask for help. And that icebreaker activity, generally, nine times out of ten, people loosen up. They start to feel more comfortable. They start to feel needed and wanted. People learn things about each other that they didn't actually know because these skills are often hidden, and people don't actually know that they have them. And it's fun. It's really fun. So asking for help. In fact, icebreakers are fun and should be fun, and that's a great way to build relationships over the holidays, but... Asking for help is a way you can open up and really engage. Fifth thing you can do is be curious. Go in with an attitude as you engage relationships of learning about people, learning some new things, learning some new information. And I like to say, especially if the relationship is strained or tense or if there's some kind of blockage there, to go in with, Three, two or three key questions that you can ask them during the interaction, during the event, or over that period of time. So for me, it could be over this three day period of time where I'm celebrating Christmas. Mainly over Zoom, I'm going to ask these people I really care about a few questions to get to know them better. And those questions you could get off that list of 50 relationship building questions. And by the way, if you sign up, you actually don't just get that list of 50 relationship building questions, but I give away two other very, very valuable pieces of information. It's uh, tips on 12 tips on life balance tips which again, I've talked about that with groups and teams many times, and so I have that as a giveaway. And then my most recent giveaway, which you get as well, is five days to overpowering anxiety. So some of my best stuff related to overpowering anxiety. Again, it's free, generous, all that. But as you're curious, back to this be curious thing, you just go in with an open mind, an open heart. I can really learn some things about people, and they're gonna know that. If you ask in such a way that you're asking a question, sharing an opinion at the same time, like, you know, what'd you think about that election? You know, and they already know what your answer is and they already know what your political view is. Well, that's really not a curious question. That's just a judgment in the form of a question. But if you truly ask a question, even on a controversial subject like that, like, uh, you know, what led you to having that strong opinion and you're genuinely curious about that then that could be a relationship-building interaction, a non-judgmental interaction. But they're going to know, just like people generally pick up on motive, but motive is often hidden, and we can often hide motive from ourselves. So other people, I think, a lot of times pick up on our motives quicker than we actually pick up on them in ourselves because we can be so biased as well. So think about some great questions you could actually ask people. The sixth thing is really listen, really truly figure out a way to listen and engage in some kind of conversation with these people you care about. And they're going to know again, if you are answering their question before you're listening to their answer. So you ask a question and then all of a sudden you're blurting out your answer before you hear fully their answer to that question. Or maybe you're listening because you're acting as if you're listening, but you haven't really tried to understand what they're actually trying to convey. And they're only gonna know that you're truly listening if you ask more questions based on what they shared. So they they share an opinion about whatever it might be. So let's say you're genuinely curious in some person who you have some tension with in your family. Let's just say it's your brother-in-law and you're curious about, about his relationships with his siblings and how they're going because you knew and you know about some tension in that area and you're not doing it to try and judge that person but you're just doing it because you're genuinely interested which is the main reason you should ask a question you genuinely are interested so you ask that and he shares but it's kind of skeptical don't doesn't know if you're really judging him but kind of shares it well there's been some repair there and then you genuinely follow up by not saying, well, I've worked out some things with my siblings as well, but rather you say, well, what happened? You know, Or how did, that ha- how did that go? Or what specifically what happened in those interactions? And then you get more information. You're peeling the layers of the onion and you're digging deeper, and they're going to feel valued by that, not judged if it's genuine. Again, maybe there's some tension there and everything like I, like I shared, but if they see that you really care, it's going to make a difference. It's going to start to thin the ice, and it's going to start to make, help you connect in a different way just like all these other tips as well, because they're really all about connection. So really listen and people are gonna know the seventh thing is open your heart. And this is one of the main ways you build connections. And I talk about this again and again, about being vulnerable. And it's really the same concept here, is a way to actually be vulnerable and you're gonna have to do things that are really out of your comfort zone. They're different, they're gonna stretch you. Um, I even had a client today who's telling me that he really was thinking about taking a new job because this new opportunity that he had was really going to stretch him because the company's known to push people out to doing more, giving them new opportunities, ones they don't think they can actually handle. So the company is known for making people kind of freak out a little bit. It recognizes that this vulnerability is a healthy thing. And great companies genuinely, generally do recognize that. So they're always pushing people to go a little bit further beyond where they are now. Same thing with yourself. So as I mentioned before, I vulnerability is not necessarily going bungee jumping you know which when i was 18 i went bungee jumping didn't tell my parents in mexico they wouldn't have been happy about that that was scary yes but that's not the scary risk taking vulnerability vulnerability i'm talking about here it's the stuff where you're sharing about something in your life that's a struggle where you are asking for help where you genuinely are offering help to somebody else in a way where they could reject you but you risk putting yourself out there where you could get actually hurt. So it could be that, let's say you don't, you very rarely engage one of your siblings. And so now over the holidays, you're going to decide that, hey, I'm going to reach out to my brother and I'm going to ask him some questions that I normally wouldn't ask and really try to get to know him better and maybe even invite him to Zoom or invite him if he's local to lunch. And talk and even share with him some things that are going on in my life that I haven't shared with anybody else for the first time, knowing that he potentially could judge me. But I'm going to do it because my motive is to have a healthier, more, more open, vulnerable relationship with my brother. And so you're taking a risk. It's a by-faith kind of thing, but you are willing to say, hey, I'm going to open up this part of my life. I know recently I started to volunteer at my daughter's youth group. And I think I shared, you know, I was involved in youth ministry for about a decade of my life. And I mean, that's originally what I did as a therapist, is I was working mainly with youth, mainly with teen boys. And so recently I got asked to go ahead and be involved with eighth grade boys in this environment. And I have some experience and everything, but haven't done it in so long. It was terrifying. I mean, literally terrifying because this setting was foreign to me. And I'm looking around. There are other leaders, luckily, sitting down with these 10 eighth grade boys thinking, I don't know what I have to offer here. And it wasn't that I didn't have anything to offer, but it was my fear and my anxiety. And I had to define it that, okay, I'm afraid because this is vulnerable situation for me. I was focusing on the worst case scenario if I shared something and I was avoiding actually engaging. So the first Three or four times volunteering, I kind of held back some. And just the other day, I thought, man, I I can do this. I have a lot to offer. And I'm going to start opening up more and being more vulnerable. But that's the kind of vulnerability I'm talking about. So how can you do something like that over the holidays in this specific situation that you're in? How can you interact with somebody in a different way, put yourself out there in a different way with these people that you really care about? And then the eighth thing, the eighth tip is think about with especially these very difficult relationships that you have. Maybe somebody has a very different worldview or perspective. Maybe you have unresolved conflict that you've never actually worked through. Something from years ago where you have held on to resentment. And so your natural focus when you think about this person is to think about their negative qualities and to think about those things that went wrong and bad. Well, you can intentionally, and that's the tip, is to focus on and cultivate the things that you appreciate about this person the things that you admire about this person, even if you don't like this person, they're still gonna have some things that you admire and appreciate. And I've had the privilege of seeing relationships simply by starting to cultivate these things that I admire. I mean, with other people, them starting to cultivate that, it's transformed the relationship. So I can even think of one where somebody hadn't talked to his sister in over five years, and they started to think about the good times as a kid and the things that actually went well. And there was a big conflict over a will and the death of a parent and everything in this situation and but that simple act of saying well i had these good interactions when i was younger i had these good interactions when i was older she's been good to my kids she's been good to me at times she has tried all those things started to overpower the negativity which had been for at least half a decade creating a real tense dynamic where they wanted to distance and avoid this sister it can work like that. Like I've said before, what we focus on the most, we amplify, we cultivate, we make bigger than it actually is or has to be. We make those negativities take over. They do take over. So figure out how you can focus on those positive qualities. And this is why people get polarized as well. They get polarized in differences. And you know, I went to college in Oregon and I, um, I got a lot of buddies from college days You know, in our fraternity, we were all really close. And some of these guys I talk to consistently now, we've had like three Zoom reunions over the last six months. It's been a real blast. And all of us, there's a pretty wide diversity in political view and a lot of things, even religious views, values, and things like that. But there's also tons of similarity. But if we got caught up on one issue— you know, it would cause some serious problems. But in that setting, maybe it's because we don't see each other as much and because we have all these great memories together, none of that stuff, none of those differences ever take center stage. And those interactions just seem so positive. And you can have that same kind of stuff with your brother, with your sister, with your mom, with your dad, your aunts, your uncles, whoever it may be, if you're willing to cultivate it in your own mind, and it's gonna spread because they're gonna see that when you interact with them. So figure out a way to focus on those good qualities. Now for those of you that have relationships that are so strained, you know that you got to repair some things here. Well, I got some pointers for you as well. And these are where you have unresolved strained conflict that you know has to be dealt with at some level. Well, I will tell you that the majority of conflicts, and this is pretty widely a pretty widely held belief amongst experienced family therapists, myself included, is that of conflict, I think even great, even 95% of conflict goes away when there's a high level of connection. Because so much of that conflict that we have is related to misunderstanding, is related to this polarized negative view of that person based on these few different differences in them that when we start having the connection with them over sports, over playing poker or golf or you know fantasy football or over food or whatever, and we engage them and get to know them, it melts away, it goes away. Sure, there are some things that still need to be talked about, but first and foremost, if you make the time to connect, even in these tremendously strained relationships, most of that conflict's gonna melt away. The essential stuff you still have to talk about and deal with is gonna remain, and it's gonna need to be talked about and dealt with, and maybe not, though, at that specific outing or setting or event at another time. But you're going to lay the foundation so that you can successfully talk about that stuff at a, in a future interaction. And that's one of those things that if there is a lot of tension, I am I'm, I'm in the power of prayer. I mean, I believe in the power of just of just trusting and having faith that the right opportunity, and my intuition, is going to show me the right opportunity when I can bring up that topic in a way that's positive, that and it's even going to work itself out. And just this morning, I had a situation where I had, I wanted to address something with my daughter. It was causing me some stress. I didn't know exactly how to address it. And it was related to her phone and something. And eventually it worked itself out. I mean, literally I spent some time praying about it and trusting that in asking really that, God would show me how to resolve it. And and again, I'm not trying to be preachy or anything. I'm not trying to say, this is what you should do. But for me, it resolved itself. She brought it to my attention. She owned it. I didn't even say a word about it. And it was, well, I did say one word. I asked her one basic question about something and then it opened up this whole conversation that was there was no conflict whatsoever in a, in a situation, an interaction that could have had some conflict. So it was really, really encouraging. And so think about it. If you feel, if you connect, then you're going to resolve a lot of conflict on its own. And when you do have those opportunities, well, you got to talk and listen and try to share how you feel and share it swiftly. Don't, you know, say what you mean. Don't say it meanly. Say what you mean, but don't say it meanly. Paraphrase, summarize, you share the floor, but you engage. And again, that's the anxiety thing. If you realize that if I can get rid of the ambiguity by clarifying the problem, if I can focus on the best outcome and actually engage in interaction, then it can work itself out. And that would say that 99% interactions are going to be solved if you're willing with an open heart, an open mind to engage and listen to their perspective and really talk it through after you've spent the time connecting with them so that you get to the bottom of it. And then you come to some kind of resolution or agreement that here's a strategy that we can apply moving forward. Sometimes you gotta get some help though. Sometimes you gotta hire somebody like me or you know, a mediator, somebody, a family therapist, someone that knows how to do conflict resolution to actually get you to the bottom of it as well. But those are some tips that I know if you apply them, if you spend some time thinking about it. And what I want you to do now is to think about which of those tips can you apply? And I wanna review them real quick. Which of them, and it may just be one, but lower your expectations. Are your expectations too high with your family? And I'll tell you what, they probably know it because you're really tense and you're always stressed out about these events and you're not having a lot of fun. Below your expectations. Number two, do something new. Try something new. Like I said, do something you wouldn't normally do. Interact with someone you normally wouldn't interact with. Maybe do some kind of charity volunteer thing. I know my family, who I can't see, unfortunately, has had this thing of filling up stockings and giving them out to people um, with really cool stuff in them. And all the kids and everybody love that. And that's been a fun new thing that we've done just the last three years. So... Um, kind of fun, but do something new. Number three, be generous, err on the side of generosity. And if you go in with that approach, I'm going to give, I'm going to give it myself. I'm going to give whatever, you know, of myself, to, this, to, this, to my family, that's going to really help a lot. Ask for help when you need it. It may not be in the moment. It could be, you know, ask for help with a specific project, setting up a table, cutting the turkey, I don't know, whatever. Um, cooking a recipe or bringing something to the event. Ask for help. Just ask. That helps. It makes people feel needed. Be curious. Find a way to be curious. Really listen. Find ways to listen. Open your heart and be vulnerable. And then focus on the best qualities in others. If you found anything helpful today, please apply. Subscribe to my podcast and share. Let your friends know. It's getting more and more listeners. It's exciting. I'm excited about just the future of doing more podcasts that are helpful. But I need your help to spread the word. It makes it worth it as I spread the word. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or even just send me an email saying it's helpful. That's always very encouraging as well. Another thing you can do is sign up for the Decide Your Legacy newsletter. www.decideyourlegacy. Spell it out. dot Y.com and you'll get some of those free giveaways as well and that's the way you'll get those free giveaways is if you actually subscribe to the newsletter as well. You can always reach out to me for some coaching from me or my team, group coaching options, trainings for your company as well. Love to help. Been doing a lot of trainings on mental health in the workplace for companies. And I even have a new product that I'm working on that's going to be out in 2021. Really excited about that as well. So, a client that works with me, I tell them two things. This is how we measure success in coaching. First of all, You're growing in insight. You're growing in awareness and self-awareness. You're growing in insight. And second of all, you're taking action. There's some application. They're doing something with the information. It's just a waste of money in coaching. They spent a lot of money to go through coaching with me. If they're not taking action between sessions to apply what they have discovered about themselves. Are you growing in insight? Are you taking some action? That's my challenge for you today. What action are you gonna take? based on this podcast today. You spent some time, you invested some energy into this into listening to this. Take an action. You decide your legacy. You make a decision, not somebody else. You decide your legacy. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time on podcast number 18. Thank you. Bye-bye. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.